Yes, it's that time of year again. Of course, we love WKRP all year long, but especially now as we get closer to Thanksgiving and recall that incredibly funny episode. Did you know we have five different WKRP designs, including three different Turkey Drop-inspired ones? Simply go to CincyShirts.com and type WKRP into the search bar and have a look. Use the promo code at the end of this episode to save 20% on your entire order online or in-store. Now, on with the show. WKRP in Cincinnati. This is WCPO FM 1051 on your FM dial, Cincinnati, Ohio. WKRC Cincinnati. This is the nation station. Hi again, everyone, and welcome to the Cincy Shirts Podcast. It's episode 142. Today on our show, David Wecker. Would you please, could you help me get back? Because he had a change of heart. He no longer hated the Japanese. He drove a Toyota by that time. Can you help me get this skull back to where it really belongs? I said, well, I'll do what I can. He said, well, here, take this bag. And he gave me the bag. And when I've got this skull in the back of my car in the trunk of my car along with my kids soccer stuff you remember him as a columnist for the old cincinnati post and later a weekend radio personality on wlw although he also did some uh, call-in work with jim scott uh during the weekdays there uh, he's just down with us today to recall some of his favorite stories from his newspaper days the backyard barbecue on 700 and what he's up to these days if you've been liking the podcast, you can help support us via PayPal or Venmo. Simply use podcast at cincyshirts.com and kick in whatever you feel is fair. Also, be sure to listen for the special promo code near the end of the episode to save 20%. Now let's talk to David Wecker. Cincinnati, Ohio. Cincinnati, Ohio. I come from C-I-N-C-I-N-N-A-T-I-Cincinnati. In a while. I'm at in Cincinnati. Kind of surprised we all haven't run into each other. There's probably only one degree of separation between uh, us and you, with all the people we probably jointly know. Might be. Yeah. You do look, you do look a little familiar. Yeah. Um, I used to work at WLW and for City Beat and places like that, and I'm sure. Uh, you know, we, we all know the same people, as it were. Yeah. So what did you do at WLW, the big well, one? I wrote for Gary, so. Oh, okay. Yeah. What I did with at WLW was pretty strange, I thought, but it was fun. It was mostly the backyard barbecue is what I remember most. Oh, yeah. And um, that was with Matt Reese, and we had the nightmare scenario, and we had a studio band the two-piece studio band which was a drummer and a bassist and uh yeah that was a lot of fun a lot of strange that stuff late 90s early 2000s i can't remember i used to listen to it but i can't remember when it was, it was <laughs> like everything else in life it was 20 years ago yeah um and i i just remember some of the names we had for the people in our carry uh, in our we had a johnny torso who had no arms or legs was one of our characters and we had a guy, uh, J- Ray Manzanus, which was an unfortunate name, um, and uh, stuff like that. Tony, oh, our gangster was Tony Home Permanente. <laughs> and that was Saturday mornings, right? Yeah. Well, it was uh, early. It was mid morning to early afternoon. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So from the top, uh, you're you're a Cincinnati guy through and through, right? You're born and raised. No, I'm from Northern Ohio, Hinkley, where the buzzards oh, come. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, yeah. what do you know? So you're you're among kinfolk. Uh, Darren is from south of Canton, and I am from Mentor. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, you know. What brought, what brought now? Who now? Who am I? All am I talking to? PF, and there's somebody else here. Yeah, uh, Darren here. I'm uh, I'm Josh's partner with Cincy Shirts. Okay. Um, so yeah, I. Uh, I grew up in New Comerstown, Ohio, and yeah. moved down here and went to uh, Art Academy. Uh, nice. Graduated, graduated, and graduated in 2001 and haven't, uh, haven't looked back. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's my claim to fame. Well, let's see. The Art Academy brought you here. PF, what brought you here? 
my wife wanted to move here after we got married. We um, we're both from, she's from Aurora. I'm from Mentor. She lived down here with her sister after she, uh, my wife graduated from college, and then she ran out of money and moved back home. I had to move back home from Pittsburgh. Uh, and we decided to, you know, become roommates. And then, um, as I like to say, we this is the joke I used to do in my old stand-up uh, open mic days. I We were friends with benefits, and then we got married, and somehow I lost my benefits, and I don't know what happened there. But, yeah. um, <laughs> but anyway, she decided she liked Cincinnati, and now that we were married and both had an income, we should, we should, we should move to Cincinnati. And, uh, and so we did. And we've been here ever since, basically. It's a nice city. It's just a nice part, a really nice part of America. Um, I'm more of a Northern Kentucky orientation. Um, I, I moved here. I was brought here by, uh, the editor of the Kentucky post at the time, Vance Trimble, uh, who had won a Pulitzer prize, wanted someone who was a writer, you know, really wanted some writers. And I'm, I'm more of a writer, I guess. And Vance was the kind of guy who, if a girl was raped, he wanted to know what kind of panties or what color her panties were. And, and that's because he not for salacious purposes, um, but he wanted that level of detail in his reporting. Hmm. So, yeah. So you were you studied journalism by trade in college, or were you had other? No. Oh, okay. No, I, had, I had a girlfriend uh, from Ohio University whose mother was a columnist for the Dayton Daily News, and who was alarmed at the prospect that her daughter might marry. Uh, a guy who was a poet. Um, a poet? And, and by that, I mean, yeah, I just, I wrote poems. I didn't, I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And, uh, and I thought journalism, oh man, that seems pretty boring, but it turns out it wasn't. I got a job for a hundred dollars a week at a little newspaper south of Dayton, the Kettering Oakwood Times. And, uh, at, you know, at this point you're supposed to say in the rest of the history, but there's <laughs> just, you know. I were, I clawed, I clawed my way to mediocrity over the years. So, what it was your first like assignment with the Kentucky Post? Were you a, like a beat reporter, or were, did what? Uh, yeah, I was a general assignment guy. I don't know the first one, but um, one of the early ones was there was a. Let's see if I can recall this. Man, this is a while ago. Um, a woman was found with her legs all but severed on Route 9 coming into Newport at the side of the road. And so we had the police radio on all the time. They sent me out to see what was up. It turned out she was uh, a homeless woman. And this, this, is, this stuff all came out pretty quickly. The police uh, believed that she was walking along with her belongings on old Route 9, and a truck headed to, to the... Uh, uh, River Metals Recycling, it's now called that, I don't know what it was called then, a truck heading that way with a load of coiled steel, uh, one inch thick, but almost razor sharp kinds of steel. It's, it, I don't know if it was steel or copper, but was headed north in the same lane as she was. Um, yes, that's right. And one of the coils fell off, and it's kind of dragging behind this truck, whipping back and forth, according to police. Oh, and, and they wrapped around her legs, and that was the end of her legs. And it turned out she was almost she was almost home, and her home was a refrigerator carton on the Licking River, and she was living in that. And so I had my radio. I, they said, "Go, go find out what you can about her," and she was. Um, like Fifi Taft Rockefeller, if you remember her, kind of a street person. Um, and uh, but she was from a wealthy Hyde Park family that had written her off, but had put aside money for her funeral. And that's about all I remember about that. That's a long answer to your question, but I think in your uh, remarks earlier this week. You like to go down rabbit holes. Yes, we There's do. Rabbit holes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We we love stories. We love tangents. So, but wait. So that story happened uh, like in front of Bobby Mackey's. And I know we got Halloween around the corner. So uh, yeah, you think uh, the the demons from Bobby Mackey's jumped out and helped uh, out with that? Might have been. Isn't there a, um, a Bobby Mackey's place which is uh, just up to date, really current? I guess he's going to open it again. Is the last I heard. Um, 
wasn't there, there's a story about a homeless woman or a headless woman in the basement. A woman was murdered in the basement of that. That was the old Latin Quarter, uh, which was one of the mob places back in the Newport heyday. Um, big gambling joint. Yeah. And, um, that might have been, I suppose we could speculate about those, uh, <laughs> that evil juju might be. Well, there's uh, lots of there's Bobby Mackey stories. <laughs> yeah. And then there's also, the, we're looking at Campbell County. That's where I live now. There's also one a little further south. There's a legend about a, a pig woman uh, who was disfigured in a horrible accident and was sort of the boogeyman woman uh, for kids growing up in the 70s and 80s in Campbell County. And she was really scary looking. And she would rip your legs off and beat you over your head with them. That was what she would do. Nice. I think we had a, do we have a pig woman shirt at one point? You be, I bet you do. Huh. I'm pretty sure we did. <laughs> that look. and uh, Munchland no. on the west side. There's all kinds of, uh, <laughs> there's all kinds of fun, <laughs> fun little stories. That, yeah. Being from Northeast Ohio, did you, did you guys ever hear of the melon heads? Uh, boy, that rings a faint bell. Kirtland, <laughs> Kirtland Mentor area. Uh, this guy apparently did. I forget what the condition is these people have. It was an orphanage, and it was all these um, kids oh. with this uh, with this condition where the it's. I guess it's kind of swelling on the brain, and it causes the yeah hydrocephaly. Yes, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. something like that. And, uh, yeah, and it's rooted in a little kernel of fact. There was actually a home like that in Kirtland, but as far as them escaping and mutating and all that other stuff, that kind of, uh, took on a life of its own. A buddy of mine actually wrote a screenplay about it. They turned it into, they novelized it in the hopes of getting it actually turned into a movie and it's stalled right now. But yeah, that's, um, there's a similar legend in Connecticut too. Wow. Yeah. Well, I love legends. Right? They're so they're so fun. And is that the kind of stuff you did you cover that kind of stuff like, you know, the odd crime here and there for a number of years or did you have various assignments? Um they made me a, uh, they they let me have they gave me my own column fairly early on oh. and that and that that gave me the freedom to go to pick and choose whatever I wanted to write about. Um and that's that's pretty much what I did is uh People would call me. One of the reasons I do like lo- love this area and that I've stayed here um, is my kids are here and, and my wife's here, of course. <laughs> uh, I, I guess I could just take off and go out and get some milk, you know. But um, uh, one of the reasons I love it here is that I would, I would from time to time write about some needy person. Uh, and, you know, in the, in, the, in the day, those stories were all over the place in northern Kentucky. Kids without shoes old widows without groceries. Uh, and what would happen is you would write about them and then people would send money. And, and this is, I don't know if it's, I, I, maybe it's this way throughout the Midwest, but certainly in greater Cincinnati, Northern Kentucky, if you let people know there's a need, um, they just step up. And I never had to say, Hey, can we help this person? I would just tell the story and uh, people would send me, um, people would send checks and, uh, um, cash. And of course I'd take my 10% and, uh, no, I never took 10%, <laughs> uh, but, uh, that, that, that there's just, just a generosity of spirit I find in this, in this, in this area. And was it difficult finding people to, to interview or was it a case of people send you a lot of leads? Cause you know, okay. Well, in the case of you being on the show, actually, uh, a couple of people suggested you that were also guests on the show. I can't remember who Pat Berry might've mentioned it and we found yeah. that away. And then someone just messaged us on Facebook. Uh, my friend's wife, actually, he was on the show and she said, Hey, you guys have never had David Wecker on. And I'm like, Oh yeah, you're right. That'd be a great one. So we occasionally get suggestions. Usually I have to beat the bushes to find folks, but, um, how did like uh, your column ideas come along? Yeah, that's a, that's a very good question. Um, uh, to me, it's a very good question. I mean, because you have a if you have three to do, three a week to do, it's you have a monster and you have to keep it fed. Yep, is is the image. And a lot of times, I just see things, uh, or I pick up something off the AP wire that was just a tiny little story, like um, man reunited with his thumb, and it just was just a paragraph. Um, and I'll get to that in a minute since you like rabbit holes. Yes. 
people would often call, but not that. No, they wouldn't often call. People would just like, because my column was kind of demented. It, 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 it was filtered through me, and uh, I hope there was a lot of love in it. But there was a little twist to, to, to it, I think. Um, and by the way, I'm very flattered that you would ask me to, to be on your podcast. I don't know you, but I'm glad now t- to know you. Um, so, yeah, it, it was just a number of sources, you, you, mostly things you'd see and then it'd strike you and it would make you think, hmm, I wonder what the deal is there. And, and, then, what, and then what happens is people really do want to, they want to be heard. They don't want to be put on a pedestal. They don't want to be lionized uh, or treated like like a hero at all for any reason. But they do want to be able to talk about what they've been through or what they've experienced or who they are, or what they've seen. And I think, and, and so that worked really well for me. So what about the guy that got reattached to his thumb? Oh, sorry. Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> so this was in... At Flaming Gorge Reservoir, in which I forget what state, um, there's a YouTube video about it somewhere that I did years ago. Uh, Man Reunited with Thumb, I think is the video. And he was in an accident, a boating accident. He was fishing uh, with some friends, and uh, a big boat came by too close, too fast. He was uh, ejected from his boat by the wake. And the and somehow his thumb was cut off uh, in the propeller. Ooh. Well, you know, it, he lost his thumb. Um, eight months later, it's the dead of winter, 90 miles away. Uh, this is a big lake. Um, and some other guy was uh, fishing, and he pulled up a, a lake trout that was uh, th- a, 30 inches long, we'll say. And you're cleaning the fish, and inside the fish is a thumb. So he's not heard anything about it, but uh, and you you think, oh my God, it's a human thumb, and you know. So he called the authorities, and it was the Sweetwater County, Colorado or Arizona coroner that that had, had had said yes, it's a human thumb, and that was the extent of this Associated Press story. Um, so I called the coroner's office and some other people, and it turned out that this, this lake, uh, the fish that had swallowed this thumb could, would have swallowed it no more than 24 hours before the fish was caught, uh, because otherwise it would have just been, there's a, 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 a phenomenon called saponification, that over a period of time in dark cold circumstances, human flesh takes on like a wax kind of character. That preserved this thing. The fish comes along and eats it, and it would have been digested, the thumb, never would have been a trace of the thumb, except it was caught by this guy, and he pulled it out, and there's, they stock 25 million fish, lake trout, in this this lake every year. So this guy happened to get the right one. Jeez. (laughs) Yeah, and, and then I don't quite remember the machinations. Everything now seems to happen so long ago, but uh, but he was he he oh there was a TV there was a story on the radio or the TV about this thumb was found in a fish. The guy's wife, ninety miles away at the other end of the lake, heard I saw the story or heard heard the story on the radio, and said, "Well, my thumb, my husband lost a thumb." Let's go to the Sweetwater County coroner and see if it's his thumb. And of course, it probably is his thumb, but let's go see. And, and they went, and the thumb print, the prints matched up, and the guy got his thumb back. How about that? <laughs> Pretty good, huh? That's I, I know it's a long wind-up to get to, the, to it. Yeah, but. Wow. So would you want a thumb after it's been in a fish for, you know, a day? I mean, is that pretty much a. Yet, yet another great, it had been in the lake for eight months and then in a fish for a day, sort of a Jonah story. But that's an, another great question. So my last call was to the guy. I was able to find him. This was in the days of phone books and you can call information. And this guy had his number listed and I called him and he said, yeah, 
and he told me the story and how he'd just about gotten used to not having his thumb when the, <laughs> his thumb, quote unquote, popped up. Oh wow! And uh, and he and I said, well, what are you going to do with it? And um, he said, I just I'm just going to put it on my mantle, you know, and uh, uh, there it is. It'll be a conversation piece. Oh, so yeah, it, like, it, a, like a pope finger or something. <laughs> It precisely like an old saint's bone or something. Yeah. <laughs> so it didn't and, get sewed uh, back on. Well, he he he, he, he would have been zombie flesh. Oh, okay, okay. That's that's where I was like, because I think, wow. I mean, I know it gets cold in lake water, and and things can be preserved for a while. I didn't realize there was an eight month lag between the thumb well, loss during, and thumb reunion. The, the eight months, this saponification. Ah, okay. You, you, you can look at it, but, but it turns, it's over a period of time, it turns into flesh. So it wouldn't have even been human tissue. Hmm. But that reminds me of another surgical reattachment story. Mine. <laughs> Go for it. Okay. I was at a party a few years ago, and this guy was walking around. He had sandals on us in the summer. And one foot had this giant bandage on it over the sandal. And uh, uh, you, you say, well, Buddy, what happened? And, it, you know, this is true. And he said, um, I was mowing my yard and there was an embankment and it was pretty steep and it just rained and I slipped and my foot went under the mower. And I asked him, wow, because, you know, was there any chance of surgically reattaching? He says it cut my toes off. And I said, couldn't they have been reattached? And he says, no, it was a mulching mower. <laughs> so it was... <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. Say so. And this is not dinner time talk, is it? I'm nah. sorry. Uh, well, she wrote about other things that didn't involve people losing limbs and and uh, yeah. digits. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so what other uh, what other kind of columns do you recall that kind of have that equal status and memorability? Memorability. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's fine. Um, I know what you mean. There was the. Uh, this was this was not a column, but it was one of the more okay. Here's one. This was pretty memorable, and it was several parts to this piece. A, a guy from Westside, Cincinnati, an old guy, had been a, a Marine in Guadalcanal during World War II, and I didn't ha- know much World War II history, so I looked up Guadalcanal, and it was some of the m- most brutal fighting in the uh, Pacific uh, arena there. Um, and he came to me, and I don't know why he came to me. He said, Dave Wecker can help me here. And he uh, had this paper bag, a Kroger paper bag, and inside was uh, uh, a skull, which he said was the skull of a Japanese soldier, which um, he, he'd, uh, he and his buddies had had. In the, and we were thinking, well, war is hell. He and his buddies had had it on a Stake outside their tent in Guadalcanal, and I, 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 I didn't ask him where he got it. I figured, well, you know, he, he had it. And what had happened was he got sick. He got malaria or something while he was in Guadalcanal, and was shipped home. And one of his buddies, unbeknownst to him, put the skull in his bag in his his luggage I, he called it a ditty bag i don't know what that is i guess it's something you know it's like your giant bag and he went to he was shipped to hawaii with this bag and then uh after a couple months um after and i think he was discharged sent back to cincinnati and uh had not really had a chance to look in his bag this is a big bag he said but there when he got back to cincinnati he found the skull and he thought, oh, geez. And he put it in his basement, and there it sat for many years. Uh, his wife would occasionally ask him, when are you going to get rid of that skull? It had, it, the guys had autographed it. It had, you know, I saw it. It had, had autographs on it or signatures of the guys in his in his tent or his unit, whatever. Um, and so, is this okay for me? Is, are you inter- is this boring? Yeah, no, no. We're, um, okay. Yeah. So I had, so he said, would you help me get this? It, it, what happened? It was like around the 50-year anniversary of the end of World War II in the 90s sometime. And he said, would you please, could you help me get back? Because he had a change of heart. He no longer hated the Japanese. He drove a Toyota by that time. And, and he says, uh, can you help me get this um, 
the skull back to where it really belongs because you know he'd read where how much the Japanese revered their war dead and felt a uh, sense of obligation and, and some guilt and so uh, I said well I'll do what I can and he said well here take this bag and he gave me the bag and you know okay you know I'll do what I can and I called every embassy and consulate and and whatever official Japanese office, one of them were Detroit, another in St. Louis, a couple in Washington, uh, anything I could think of. And they all said, no, thanks. We don't know that those are the remains of a Japanese soldier. This was in the days before uh, uh, the DNA, that they were able to do DNA tracing, that sort of thing, uh, just a year or two before then. So I wrote that story and I said, and I've got this skull in the back of my car in the trunk of my car along with my kids soccer stuff and i don't know what to do you know well then a guy calls me from warsaw kentucky and he said it just so happens that he and some partners have uh an operation in guadalcanal where they salvage um what were the japanese planes fighter planes zeros Zeros, Jap- Japanese zeros, where they, it, 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 planes of all kinds, but mostly zeros, they would uh, climb the mountaintops and there, there would be wrecks, wreckages, they'd find it every year. And, uh, and then they would uh, uh, restore them and s- sell them to collectors for $200,000, $300,000. And it was a pretty uh, advanced operation. Well, this guy who was, an attorney and an accountant from Warsaw said, if I wanted, he would take the skull. Uh, and I checked it out that he had this business going and he would take it to a Guadalcanal cause he'd be going there in the next month or so. And they would plan it in, uh, in one of these wrecks, one of these zero wreck wreckages. And every year a team of Shinto priests comes from Japan and they have a ceremony on the beach where remains are still being, even now, I guess, being recovered. And in and, and this skull would surreptitiously be snuck into that. They burn them and they take the ashes back to Japan. And this, and this was what he proposed. <clears throat> and I said, that sounds good. You know, cause at that point I, I kind of wanted to be done with it. Um, and so I gave him the skull in the Kroger bag and um, and he took it and wrote me an 11 page letter um, saying that uh, that that's what had happened and uh, that they they found a, 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 a wreck in the mountains, a wrecked plane, and they planted this they claimed to the Shinto priest or whomever was the official clearinghouse for this that this, this skull was found in the plane. And he said that it worked out that way. But then, so I wrote that story. But then there was a third piece where these guys who had this plane recovery business also had the Solomon Islands lottery, where if you'd match up three coconuts, you'd get $10. It was a really low stakes lottery. <laughs> and they, they ended up selling it to the Australian government for... $8,500. But the check that came to them, and this was a big story in Northern Kentucky, was through a huge clerical, clerical error, was for $850,000. So my guy, who was kind of a friend by that time, an accountant and a lawyer, cashed the check as quick as he could and then went to Belize. And there were trials to you know, recover the money uh, but they never did. <laughs> oh wow! So I wrote that story. Huh. Yeah. So is he still kicking it in Belize? Is he like? Oh. Uh, no, he's he's back. He's back in the states. But it, I, I'd be doing doing him a disservice if I said which state he's in. <laughs> but he's doing a lot of fishing. Oh, but finding any thumbs? I wonder. <laughs> That's a good one. That's what call a callback in comedy. Woo! <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so powers association. I'm talking too much. What about no, you guys? This is well. I was going to ask you. You you did the column all the way up until the post closed its doors, didn't you? 
Uh, no, two years before that happened, oh. I took a buyout. Oh, okay. So the, yeah. the, the, they were taking on water at that point. As it well, were. they've been taking it on for, yeah. since I started in the late, late seven, early eighties, they've been, it was a failing newspaper. Hmm. It's a shame. I missed the post. It was nice when I moved here, uh, because in Cleveland, we'd lost our afternoon paper in the early eighties. And when I the moved Cleveland here, press. the Cleveland press, sister paper to the post. Right. So, yeah. Also a Scripps paper. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And in fact, on our sibling site, we have a Cleveland press t-shirt, um, <laughs> old school oh. shirts. Yeah. You have a... Google Artie's uh, shirt too. I saw. We do. Yeah, we have. Um, That's cool. We all we have all kinds of Cleveland uh, stuff. You've probably already uh, perused, but uh, yeah. put do a couple you, new designs you know, up today. Do you know what happened to Gallard? You know that was Ernie yeah. Anderson, the love boat. A lot of people don't know that. Yes, and he got cancer, uh, so he quit smoking. And I get. I don't know. I think they took a long out. Don't know about that. But his voice went high. When he quit smoking, so he started smoking again. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. His uh, son is the famous film director, um, Paul yeah. Thomas Anderson. Yeah. 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 Wow. So, um, so the, <laughs> that was a roundabout way of saying, so you took a buyout from uh, the Post, and read, how'd the radio work come along? Well, there was a little girl who was a producer there for Mike McConnell's show, his midday show at the time. Her name was Mary Jo DiLeonardo. And it, for a while, I was the post-TV radio critic. So I got to, uh, it was my job to cover radio sorts of things. And um, she wanted to be a writer. And she, she kind of liked what my style, I guess. And she got me, uh, she said, Why don't you, would you like to do some radio? And at the time, Randy Michaels thought I was funny. Do you, do you remember Randy? Oh yeah, yeah. We've had uh, we've had a yeah. lot of people. In fact, we were trying to. People suggested we try to track him down, which is actually a good idea. I'm gonna give myself a note because he's come up many times uh, on the oh, podcast. You, uh, you should. Yeah, Randy's in town. I mean, I Ooh. saw him at Costco the other day. He was buying uh, a bunch of wine. <laughs> um, <laughs> I I met him once. I, yeah, and uh, so yeah, he is. I think he's represented by Jack Greiner at Graydon, uh, Graydon.law. If you can get Jack Greiner, I bet you Jack could put you in touch with him. All right. Jot well, yeah. that down. He, 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 Randy is quite the raconteur. Yes. <laughs> it, he might be a little shy, though, because I think he's had run afoul of some lawsuits. I don't know. Oh. I'm... Uh, now I probably. Yeah, mm. you'll find out. Okay, well, we'll, we'll do some we'll digging. Talk about, yeah, mm. hopefully that helps you. Yeah. Um, but so so to, to answer your question, Mary, Mary Jo DiLeonardo uh, first had me, this was the first flight from Delta from CVG to Paris. And WLW wanted to put someone on that flight and report about it. And they asked me if I would do it. And I said, sure. And so, yeah, I... I uh, I made. I took a little tape recorder and recorded, talked to people, Parisians about, you know, the Reds and what they thought the chances were for the Reds, and, <laughs> and it kind of worked. Uh, the uh, they had an Eiffel Tower in Paris that was very much like the one at Kings Island, huh. only bigger. And uh, so I made those kinds of travel log. I made a travel log tape, and then they started having me on with Jim Scott in the mornings on Wednesday. Which, to my chagrin, he started calling it Wacky Wednesday. <laughs> uh, yeah. I remember those. You do you? Yeah, yeah. In fact, and, Jim's uh, been on the show, as a matter of fact. Is what? Jim Scott's been on the show. Oh, yeah. yeah. Nice, a very nice guy. Yes. Jim Scott, I'm gonna, I, I shouldn't tell this. It, it, I'm going to tell it. Anyway, he asked me one, time, one Wednesday morning, he said, what size shoe do you wear? And I said, uh, 12. And uh, he said, well, would you like these? And he put this floor shine box on the, the counter in between us. And inside were these shoes that I would never wear. They were like golf shoes with tassels on them. And, but not golf shoes, but you know, slip loafers with tassels on them. You know, that kind of collegiate kind of looking shoe. And he said, I bought these and I don't really like them. Would you like them? 
and I, you know, someone offers you a gift, you, you don't want to say, nah, I, I, I usually say yes, even if I don't want it. So I said, oh, okay, thanks very much. And then I got him uh, after the show, I look at him. You know, I think Jim had polio or something as a child because one leg was longer than the other. Anyway, one of these shoes had been built up like an inch on the heel and the sole. And uh, so I couldn't really wear them, but I, I, I still have them. <laughs> nice memento. So um, so what happens with, with McConnell's producer? Oh, so she had me do the flight to Paris. Randy liked it. And then, uh, oh, she ended up working at the Post. So she got married. She And then last I heard from her, uh, she's in Atlanta, and she was producing Donald Trump's radio show, which hmm. I didn't know Donald Trump had one, but I guess seven or eight years ago he had a radio show. Hmm. But um, so then after after doing the um, you know Wacky Wednesday, um, uh, Matt Reese and I decided let's 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 see if they'll let us do this backyard barbecue show, and they did, <coughs> and we were. Uh, fired. The show was canceled three times, but they brought us back due to popular demand. After the fourth time, though, it was too much. <laughs> so when you left the post, I mean, was that kind of a scary time then, or did you kind of think, well, I, you know, I've got other things I can do, and you know, the the newspaper. Yeah, uh, it, yeah, it was scary, but I was, um, and uh, I, uh, but you know. Uh, I have this, um, one of the things I like, and it's out of the Bible, and God's most often repeated commandment is fear not. And I'm, I'm a big believer in not fearing and seeing what's out there. And, uh, and it can be a struggle, but it's what makes, it, you know, it makes life rich and uh, delicious. So, so what, what did you do after the after you took the buyout from the post? Was it was the radio work going on at that point, or what were you... No. No, no, I was, it was, I was done there. Cunningham fired me for a short time. He was the yeah, yeah, <laughs> PD. Yep. And he called me in and, 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 and it was fine. I like Bill. Um, <clears throat> he's had me on since a few times and he just said they couldn't justify the expense. I'd got it worked out where I, I was really making too much money from them every time I was on. Hmm. So, um, and that was just when maybe clear channel had taken over one of the, it was after J Corp. It was Clear Channel, and then something else came along, and and they had a bunch of bean counters, and that's fine. Um, what I started doing now is called when it's what I'm doing now is for the past ten years is called brand flick, uh, and I make it's storytelling on video uh, for mostly nonprofits like the Greater Cincinnati Foundation or family-owned businesses like Greater's Ice Cream or. Um, and it's just, these are stories about, this is what we stand for. This is what we believe. Uh, this is who we are. They use them for recruiting nonprofits, use them for, um, you know, uh, capital campaigns doing one for the Cincinnati art museum right now. So I have wonderful clients and it helped being, having been on WLW particularly, but also with the post. So having some bit of a name as a result of that, I always said that Cincinnati is a celebrity starved town because boy, we used to write about Rosemary Clooney all the time in the Kentucky post. It's like, geez, okay, enough about, enough about her. Now she's selling cornet toilet paper. Wow. In, in, uh, so in that panoply, I was like, a, I would consider myself a two bit celebrity, like a really tiny but I did have enough name from the post and WLW that it's it's um, it stood me well. Oh, that would I mean, it's someone a solicitor. Oh, it might be one of my creditors. <laughs> Can't take yeah, that. There you go. So, so having that name recognition kind of helped open some doors in in town. Yeah, yeah, it really did. Yeah. So, <clears throat> I also did some. I might be the only guy who had a show on. Um, GUC, VXU, and WLW. So uh, that helped too. Oh, what what did you do on VXU? I've been listening for years. I don't remember. Well, it was called, and it was, it, what's his name? The guy who started it was still there. 
you know who that guy was? Sort of VXU when it was yeah. still with Xavier before they sold it to Cincinnati Public yeah. Radio. Oh no. no, I I don't. I remember Doc Wolf was friendly with him because when I was looking for work, he said, "Oh, they've got this X Star Network. You should look into that." So yeah. this was still before they sold it to Cincinnati uh, Public TV. But uh, I, I know who you're talking about, but I don't remember his name. Well, it, it, while I was at the Post, I also did a lot of work at the Eureka Ranch. Yeah. Is that okay? Oh, in Newtown. <laughs> uh, my brother-in-law did a lot of work with him too. Uh, what guy was that guy's name? I interviewed with him once. He wrote all the Doug books. Hall? Doug Hall. Doug Hall. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Doug. I was kind of Doug's. Uh, I was the, his writer guy. I wrote all the new product concepts, uh, and uh, was able to say now since then that I've done work for. You know, Coca-Cola, Pepsi, Chrysler, Nike, Disney, American Express, lots of them. Doug has been hugely successful and uh, went to the North Pole with Doug Hall. Really? And, uh, yeah. And uh, he, he hit a midlife crisis and he decided he wanted to go to the North Pole. And he took me along to chronicle it. because, And also we we're pals. Yeah. Uh, and so, <clears throat> yeah, it was... Uh, Wow. So how, how do you get to the North Pole? I mean, that might be a dumb question, but like, what's the? Is there like an airport? Even well, you from really close? Or sled? Or that's a very good, very good question. You guys ask good questions. How do you get to the North Pole? <laughs> Let me. We take from CVG. You fly into Yellowknife, which is I think in Saskatchewan, Northwest Territory, I believe. Yeah, or the yeah. Yukon Territory. It's in the Yukon Territory. Duh. Uh, yeah, I think so. So, so from the Yellowknife, which is the uh, uh, indigenous peoples kind of area, then you fly to Resolute Bay, and Resolute Bay is a thousand miles from the pole, but it's it's well into the Arctic Circle. A thousand miles from the pole on one side, and a thousand miles from the nearest tree to the south. So then, from Resolute. Um, you hire, and I was the base camp manager, so I flew up to the pole. I didn't do the trek uh, that they did. From Resolute Bay, you take these little tiny planes, um, twin otters they're called. It's a Canadian plane. It's it's a bush plane uh, renowned for being able to land and take off in a very limited space, uh, which you have up there. <clears throat> and so uh, I was... I'm. I'm getting phone calls via Iridium phones from Doug every day while he's on the trail up there. So they took these planes, these twin otters, to within 200 miles of the pole, and then they unloaded their dogs and their dog sleds and their skis, and the rest of the way to the pole, it was that 200 miles. So you walk that, so, he walks that last 200 miles. Yeah, so, and it's really tough because when you're at the top of the pole – you're at, you're at 90 North, which is the North Pole, and the ice is constantly sliding down back toward Ohio and Hong Kong and Italy. And so you might, you, it's like you're going up a down escalator. So you might make 10 miles in a day, set your camp, and in the morning find you've lost seven of those miles. Oh, wow. Plus, the ice is always heaving against, it's, it's contracting and and pushing and pulling, and then you'll come on what they call pressure ridges that might be 35 feet high that go for hundreds of miles on a latitude kind of way. So you got to go over those. Other places where, the, where the, the, the ice is pulled apart, in the Arctic there's no soil. It's all it's the ocean. And so where it's pulled apart, you have to find, and again, for hundreds of miles it can be, you have to find ways to get past those. Hmm. So they put up with all that. I'd get a phone call, one phone call a day from Doug Hall. I'd write a story and then I'd send it to the Scripps News Bureau in Washington, D.C., and they'd post it. And, um, and at the end of that trip, uh, I flew up on a tw Twin Otter to meet them at the pole. We were there. I was at the pole for maybe six hours. And then we fl flew back to a place called Eureka, which is the northernmost <coughs> pl uh, place we can have a plane in the world. And they, they were just all these Hercules sitting around in the on the on the tarmac. It's pretty amazing. 
but uh, uh, yeah, it was a, a great experience. Uh, yeah. So was, I mean, like people live up there. Yeah, like, was, yeah. When Resolute Bay, it was uh, mostly Inuit, which is people would say Eskimo, but Eskimo is like the N word for them, you know. Yeah. Yep. So so Inuit. And it was right before it was, this was declared a territory. So I, I, I also continued to write stories from there because there was a woman there who was a polar bear hunter and she just brought one in and, um, and had, had, had its hide stretched on a, on a uh, frame outside her Quonset hut. Uh, it, it was, a you know, a, definitely a frontier. And uh, so uh, yeah, lots of stories uh, to be had up there. Um, there was a story about a, a guy who was uh, all the all the uh, booths in the restroom were just wa- wallpapered with um, hustler honeys, you know, just <laughs> nude women pinups kinds of things. And uh, I'm sure there was a lot of Jeffrey Tubin kinds of stuff going on up there. Yeah. <laughs> There you go. Uh, is, is Doug still around? Is he still in the area? I haven't really heard much about him in the past. <laughs> yeah, he is. Uh, you know, you, he, he's uh, he he is a fascinating guy. The latest thing, and this has been, I think he's been at this about three years. He got it into his head that he could make find a better way to make bourbon. So he bought a chemical reactor and figured out this process. And it's not really bourbon because it's bourbon, I think, by law has to age a certain period of time. But his process, uh, he, he'll, he buys sour mash from places like uh, The Riff, uh, you know, The Riff in Newport. Yeah. Okay, New yeah. Oh, yeah, New yeah. Riff. Right New Riff. That's yeah. it. Thanks. Yeah, he'll find sour mash, which, which is, it, it, I think that's the term for it, which is, what you have before you before you let it age and it turns into something you can drink, uh, and he'll throw in he'll throw in some of that to this chemical reactor. I'm super simplifying this because this is as much as I understand. <clears throat> and then he'll throw a piece of 200 year old oak in with it, and in 40 minutes he's got something equivalent to eight year old bourbon. And he's shipping out. He tells me a hundred thousand dollars worth of that out of his Newtown garage, uh, a day. Wow. Yeah. He's pretty open about that. I don't think you mind me saying it. And, um, yeah. And it's called the one, the one label is called noble Oak and you can buy it at the, uh, liquor, the Kroger liquor store in Newport at the Newport, um, marketplace Kroger. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right there. And it's so, but the thing, the cool thing is, so he ha- he got this, and he took it to the the International Bourbon Festival that they have in, I guess they have in San Francisco. And he won, his first year he'd never been at to this thing, he won two double gold medals. And a double gold is when all the judges agree. I think there's whatever, and multiple judges, and he won two double gold medals. So, so it's worth trying. Yeah, I'll, we'll definitely check that out. And I'll have to round up Doug to be on the, the show as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, tell him, uh, let me know if you if I can help you there. Okay, we'll do. Um, so, doing what you do now, are you able to kind of scratch that storytelling itch, uh, or was that itch scratched long ago, or is it is it a different itch now? Uh, it is different. It's like I'm still writing, um, and these are I'm still doing stories, still from a human heart kind of perspective. I hope um, that gets gets beneath you know, selling, it's, it's more than marketing, I think. Um, but my wife wants me to write a children's book, but, uh, yeah, so maybe I'll do that. I mean, I, 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 I do, I have published, I think eight books. Um, there is one on the North pole trip that I wrote with, Oh, the one thing I wanted to tell you. So all these stories that I was sending to the Scripps Howard news service yes. about that Doug was sending, well, at the end, it turns out Queen Elizabeth was following them on the Internet. And um, the reason we know this is that she sent a, uh, a telegram to, to, the, to, the, to the group 
um, is Doug Hall and Paul Shirky. And uh, the, the other local guy was, um, oh my gosh, Craig Kurz. He was the CEO of Funny Bay Cam at the time. Um, sent a, a telegram congratulating them. Uh, and the reason she did that is that, you know, the British are big into exploration. They've always explored the Arctic going back to the 1700s. <clears throat> and so she followed this with interest because one of the, one member of the party, uh, my friend Alan Humphreys, was from Belfast, Northern Ireland. So, you know, a, a UK subject. So she was following it for that, from that perspective. Hmm. That's very cool. Yeah. yeah, it was. It was neat. No, no credit due to me. Whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> it's just circumstances. Great. So where can folks find all of your stuff if they want to go back? Are your books still uh, uh, available? Uh, they've still being published? A lot of them are. Yeah, most of them are. Um, do you remember He-Man? Master of the Universe? <laughs> yeah, a, a Mattel action figure. Yeah, yeah. Of course. Well, my, my uncle Roger created that for Mattel. Um, and the, and so one of the books is about that, but if, if someone, you know, if people were interested in, oh. in checking out some stuff, they can go to Amazon and plug my name in and those books will come up. Um, <laughs> I do, I do have, I will have soon a book of kind of an anthology of my newspaper columns. The best thing about it is that Nick Clooney wrote the, the foreword, but, um, yeah, I, I don't know, maybe one or two people would be interested in that. I don't think a lot of people would be, especially people of a certain age who would like remember reading the columns from, from back yeah. in the day. Yeah, that'd be neat. Well, you're kind, you're kind to say so. Thank you. Um, so, any other projects you want to tackle that uh, beyond what you're doing now with Brandflick? Uh, I would do want to. There's a couple people. Matt Reese, my my backyard barbecue co-host, wants to do a podcast. So we're looking into that. Oh, there you go. Yeah, and you you've been doing. How long have you been doing this? We've been, this will be episode 142, I think. So, no kidding. Yeah. And then I've been doing my own podcast since 2011. No and, kidding. Yeah. And I produce another podcast for a lady in town who is a, a, a pilot. She has an aviation podcast and she's been doing that for about a year. So. She's yeah, right. an animal. <laughs> What's that? You must, uh, you must, it must be fun for you. It is. I do like, uh, helping folks out and, you know, uh, it's, it's kind of fun editing the audio and putting it all together. It's to borrow a friend's phrase, uh, from when we were kids because it's like, I'm feel like a monk tending to my garden, you know, it's uh -huh. just, it's just you and you're alone, but you're, in, but you're working on uh -huh. this thing and making it something better. And yeah, so it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. Do you edit? Do you, do you have to edit it or do you have any trouble finding people to come on? Uh, like I said, we get people suggesting stuff. Uh, yeah, Josh has yeah. a pretty deep Rolodex uh, that he's going to need to dig into a little bit more. My Rolodex, I'm about at the end of mine. But uh, I know a lot of people from working in radio and newspapers and things like that, yeah. that we can always find uh, a guest. And um, and people, yeah. and occasionally, in fact, i got to get back to guy. Occasionally people volunteer. A guy says, I'm a Freemason. And I'm like, well, I don't, people hear about Freemasons, but I don't think we know what they are. So that'd be fascinating to, to talk about that. But usually we're looking for folks, you know, to have some connection to Cincinnati, at least, that um, either they lived here for a while, like, like, like comedians or things like that. And so it's, it's, it's a challenge, but mm -hmm. one we've, we've answered 142 times now. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Do you mind, do you have time for one more little story? Sure. Always. Do it. It just came to me. I had this, um when we were at the Kentucky Post, and this was early on too, um, we would get calls from this person or that person who was saying, hey, I just became a Kentucky colonel. You want to write a story about me? And, uh, and that, it's, it's, well, no, you know, and so they, they just had a policy, no thank you. And, uh, and another reporter, Tom Loftus, and I got to thinking, well, gee, I wonder how hard it is to become a Kentucky Colonel. After all, you know, what, what, and is it, is it like getting a Purple Heart? And so, what we decided to do was submit a, a kind of, I you might call it a bogus application. Well, I had a dog, an old English sheepdog named Waldo, and Waldo uh, with a. Let's see if we can get make Waldo, or nominate. Let's we'll nominate him and see what happens. And so for Waldo's age, they, they, on the application, we put Waldo Wecker, uh, age, um, he was seven years old, se each year, dog year, seven years. So we put seven times seven, 49, we listed as 49. Occupation, I put is security guard. 
because you know he's a dog. <laughs> and then, uh, and then, what's the reason he's being nominated? And it was like, uh, well, Waldo's never really admired. You know, he's never achieved anything great, but he brings a lot of light into the lives of senior citizens and children in this neighborhood. Is everybody like Waldo? <laughs> so, so we sent that sent the application in and really forgot about it. And a few weeks later, this will tell you how old it was. A few weeks later, we got a I got a tube kind of package, and inside was this beautiful Kentucky Colonel uh, certificate with a blue ribbon on it, a gold seal, and the signature of the governor John Y. Brown. And I said, "Wow!" And, and Waldo's name is prominently displayed, and he's hereby commissioned as a Kentucky Colonel. So um, nice. Yeah, it was nice. It was like worth a couple fist pumps. I don't think it mattered much to Waldo. But anyway, <laughs> I um, so I wrote a column uh, that said, you know, I, I really have to hand it to, to Waldo, my dog Waldo. I never thought, oh, let me back. And the rule was, if they, if anyone from the Kentucky Colonel or Frankfurt office called to check on it, they didn't ask what the species was on the application. But if they had asked, we would say, well, you know, we feel compelled to tell you Waldo's a dog. Does that matter? <laughs> you know, but nobody called. So we got the the, the, the certificate. And uh, so I wrote this column and said, I never I really have to hand it to Waldo. I never thought he'd really amount to anything. But here he is, a Kentucky colonel. And then I told the story that I just told you, you know, how we thought, well, let's do that. And. That next day after this column appeared, John Y. Brown held, held a press conference and ripped me a new one, <laughs> uh, which is a little, probably should have just let it slide because it was just a little, <coughs> little story. Well, the uh, Associated Press picked it up and uh, then I got a call from Good Morning America um, <laughs> and, uh, and we were both on that show, Waldo and I. Wow. And really, Tom Loftus, get, it was his idea. Well, you know the uh, the guy that owned Del Rancho Rankin. Del uh, Rancho Rankin. What he, the, about him? he tried to uh, become a Kentucky Colonel, and he was ineligible for some reason. I don't know if it's because he actually wasn't from Kentucky or didn't live in Kentucky or he ran a rubbish motel. But so, in his answer to doing that, to being denied being a Kentucky Colonel, he just formed his own association and called it the Ohio Colonels. Sorted. <laughs> and awarded himself a colonel. Yes, seat? yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, I've got people called him the colonel. I didn't know that he actually was not a colonel. No, he he was self self uh, uh, self appointed. <laughs> did, they, did people call him a colonel uh, out of respect or derision? <laughs> uh, I don't just because they I don't know they just they just did. He see that's how he uh, what he went by. So I guess they uh, that's yeah. what what they did. And yeah. If anyone's listening as an heir to the El Rancho Rankin yes. for, uh, fortune, we definitely need to get you on here to. Talk about it. <laughs> I reached out to a guy on Facebook who wrote like some kind of a history book about El Rancho Rank, and I've never heard back from him. So, yeah, if anybody can put us in touch with the El Rancho Rankin folks, that would be fantastic. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't have any connections there. I wish I could help you, but yeah, I would be interested. Yeah. Uh, did you ever? Were you ever a resident there? No, they. Um, when we moved here to the, t we I live in the township, uh, as we say here in Anderson Township. It's just the township, and mm -hmm. uh, it was still standing, but I think it was torn down about two or three years after we moved here, and they yeah. put the now abandoned uh, retail plaza on there, which yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I only uh, know it by I, that. That property must be cursed. Maybe it's on the site of a yeah <laughs> Native American graveyard or something. Yeah, everything's gone. Even the star. Well, there's a brewery there now, a, a microbrewery. Oh. And our friends at Luckman Coffee are at the bottom of the hill uh, who've been guests on the show and are very lovely people. Yeah, so where those fiberglass horses are. Oh, my gosh. And the, ca and the caddies and everything. Yeah, there's still pictures of him at the ice cream shop up in Mount Washington of him. He had some kind of parade or something every year or something. And there's pictures of his caddies with the uh, horses attached to them going down the going down Beachmont Avenue. Yeah. I thought I heard that the guy who has that church on 71 – with a gigantic Jesus with a lightning rod in his head, um, bought those horses. I, oh. I don't, I don't Ooh. know. There's a little investigative reporting to be done there. All right. We'll <laughs> yeah. check that out. We know the guy that helped design the, uh, the, the news Jesus. He was on the podcast. Cool. Yeah. So it all comes full circle. <laughs> um, who's the coolest guest you've had on the show? 
Oh, I coolest. Yeah, your favorite. Pat Barry was really good. Was he? Yeah, yeah. In fact, he got on his phone and called um, uh, the, the restaurateur. Why can't I think of his name? Jeff Ruby. Jeff Ruby. We were chasing him down for ages. And uh, he left a me- on while we were recording the podcast. He called and left him a voicemail, and we eventually did get Jeff Ruby on the show, who was also a lot of fun. Uh, so I think those, off the top of my head, those would probably be. Uh, we had Johnny Bench though. Johnny Bench was great, especially for you know Josh, super Reds oh, fan. Well, that's neat. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I always confuse Jack Ruby, Jeff Ruby, with Jack Ruby. <laughs> that's. They're pretty much the same. Yeah. I get- <laughs> There might be a little crossover there. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, cool. Yeah. Well, um, uh, I'm certainly flattered that you would um, deign to uh, spend some time with me. Thank you. Well, I'm just uh, surprised it took us this long because, uh, you know, again, knowing you from radio days, I used to be, I used to like the Post better than uh, Apologies to Our Morning Paper, but I was always more of a Post guy. I like an afternoon paper. Well, that shows you have a heightened intellect, a higher intellect. <laughs> Right. We call it the Inquirer. We call I always call it the Stink Wire, and, <laughs> and it's even worse. What's I grew up with with the Akron Beacon Journal, which we call the Akron Recon Urinal. <laughs> Never heard that one. Uh, if you give something a bad nickname, boy, it really, really sticks. It does. Uh, we had we had the PD and uh, the News Herald up in my neck of the woods. Mm. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Well, anyway. Um, well, I, I, I sense, we, you know, we, we've, is there anything else I can do here? Yes, or? one final thing. You can pick our yeah. coupon code for the next episode. And that, so you will pick a word or phrase that our listeners will be able to use uh, in our shops or online at uh, our websites uh, to take 20% off their uh, order from Cincy uh, Shirts or OldSchoolShirts.com uh, or, like I said, the two brick-and-mortar stores. So what would you like that word or phrase to be, David Wecker? Well, would you you want you want it to be hard or easy? Doesn't it's up to you. It's totally your okay. call. One of my favorite words is uh, defenestration. It's the act of throwing someone or something out of a window. Okay, great. <laughs> it's from the Latin fenestra for window. Okay, it, and D I guess means so, out. Defenestration. So if you're gonna Good. use that on the website, uh, you'll probably have to Google it first. But if you want to walk into the Good stores, luck getting a deal this week. Yeah, cool. right. If you want to walk into Hyde Park or OTR stores and say defenestration, they'll get you sorted. All right. Uh, I'm gonna check out your. Uh, wait a minute. Can I use that if I use if I have a uh, fake uh, uh, ID? Maybe I can use that myself. I'm gonna check out your stores. Thanks. Absolutely. Yeah. I'll send you the links uh, to them. Yeah. And you can check out the Cleveland store and the uh, the Cincinnati stores. Very good. And yeah, great. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks for doing this, David. Really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Thank you. I hope it was. I hope it wasn't too painful. No, no, it was great. Good. Great. Thank you for thanks for the invite. Okay. Anytime. Thanks a lot, David. Bye bye. Sure. See you. I work for the newspapers. Any news is good news. I always say, but I don't write no daily column talk is cheap. So is my pay And when my work day's over I pocket five or ten from the tray And then I start it up again at 5 a.m. I stack them up just to throw them away David Wecker, fun stuff, right? And pretty cool about the Backyard Barbecue possibly returning as a podcast. Now, if there's someone you'd like to hear on the podcast or someone you'd like to have us have back on the podcast, email us podcast at cincyshirts.com. Put podcast guest in the subject line and tell us who you'd like us to have on or have back. Simple as that. Be sure to tell friends and loved ones about the show, including folks who may no longer live in the area but still feel connected to the tri-state. If you haven't already, check out those Cincy Shirts podcast archives. 141 of them back there now. Everybody from Johnny Bench to Amy Asbeck. We also mentioned a couple with David Wecker. He was curious about who else we had had on the show. Uh, Jeff Ruby was a great one. Pat Berry, of course. Today's show is produced by me with help from Josh and Darren. Our theme music is Cincinnati by Big Nothing. They are from Philadelphia. Find their music on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you get your music. Find vintage tees from great places like Philadelphia, Boston, Phoenix, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Louisville, Seattle, and many, many more at OldSchoolShirts.com. That's our sibling site. We have a lot of defunct sports teams, um, old malls, old restaurants, old rock and roll clubs. Uh, those seem to be very popular. Old fast food joints, those are popular as well. It's like Cincy Shirts, but for those towns. And again, the promo code for this episode is Defenstration. Defenstration, look it up. As Mr. Wecker explained, it means to throw somebody out of a window. It's from olden times, you know. Uh, uppercase, lowercase, dot 
part does not matter, but you will use that to take 20% off your entire CincyShirts.com or OldSchoolShirts.com order, or come into our Cincy Shirts stores and over the Rhine and or Hyde Park and say, I would like to use the promo code Defenstration from the podcast to save 20%, and they'll hook you up. Follow our social channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat for the latest Cincy Shirts news. Tell your friends about the show. Give us a good review wherever you get the podcast from. And as always, download or stream us next time. Bye. I said goodbye. I wish I said goodbye.